And what I believe is that people don't really have relationships with product. They have relationships with the brand. everyone thanks for tuning into nodes of design to help support our mission spread knowledge we have a very special guest on today's episode let's welcome matt clack who is a creative head at google brand studios apac where he leads a team of amazing creative directors art directors designers and technologists to make google brand accessible to all with the help of creativity storytelling and technology and matt's work has been applauded with so many global awards to list few we have awards at star dnd shorties new york festival advertising award one show bronze and uh, Celio Awards and many more. On this episode, Matt has shared wonderful insights on brand strategy. We discussed on how product brand strategy works in the big firms, and he also shared with us a process on how to find out a niche for a certain brand and what are the various ways in which once a brand is built, how do you maintain that consistency across all different platforms. In the end, we spoke about how storytelling plays a very major role in creating some great brand strategies. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. And on every Friday, we release new episode with different creative leaders. around the world to make you help better understand different topics of design so don't forget to tune in into notes of design every friday with that being said happy designing everyone hi matt welcome to notes of design it's pleasure hosting you today on our show hey Thanks for having me. It's nice to finally meet you. Same here, Matt. So, how's your day going? Today has been pretty busy. We have a lot going on um, at Google in terms of helping people solve their small business problems coming out of COVID. A lot of small businesses are suffering, so it's been uh, we've been learning quite a bit about how we can and help them solve their problems. We just ran a, a newspaper ad today that we designed, which I haven't done in a long time. I know that. the viewers or the listeners can't see it but it's pretty neat to have a newspaper ad in Japan uh, out in the wild that's really great matt so matt if you could give a brief about yourself to our audience out there sure i um head up creative for the google brand studio apac uh and i lead this amazing team of creative directors art directors designers technologists motion designers uh, data experts film directors you know overall smarties um that help make uh Google's brand make more sense to the people out there uh with the help of creativity uh a little bit of storytelling and a whole lot of technology thank you so much matt uh, for giving us a brief so matt what was your journey into design how did you start and what are the tips to the beginners that you want to suggest yeah it's funny because um i guess i actually came into design through advertising always was really good at art but I thought, you know, I I thought I couldn't turn that into a meaningful career. But when I discovered the creative program at my university, I I started, you know, basically creating ideas first and then designing later, and that's how I kind of built up my chops as a a designer. Really, I think that that's the most important thing is idea first then design later, right? Design has to match your idea and the, and your concept. And my my the biggest thing that I the biggest advice I can give a designer is, right now is just start, do it, and then you know it's like a muscle you have to build it up over time design does come from talent right but it also is a muscle that you can actually engage and learn and you know what we've learned from 
programs like, um, you know, the how-tos on YouTube and stuff like that, people can basically do whatever they want. Um, they can learn whatever they want. So really, it's about just beginning. Please, if you want to be a designer, you have to be a designer, right? You have to actually start practicing. I think also it's really important to have an end goal in mind, like, oh, I want to be a web designer. I want to be an advertiser. I want to be a graphic designer for logos. Having kind of that end goal of like where you want to head with your design is really important because it'll help you hone a, a specific skill. Um, and when you're building a portfolio, you really want to make sure that your intelligence and your uh, talent comes through in, the, in a singular superpower. If you spread yourself too thin across lots of different types of design, you won't get good at one thing. And that's not to say that you can't come back to that thing later. It's just really important to kind of know where you want to head and pick a track. Um, so yeah, I would say like learn new skills along the way, but really get good at one thing, um, especially if you want to turn it into a career. The other thing is play really nice, like learn from others and ask for help. I think there's lots of inspiration out there on the web and it's not about copying, you know, it's not about doing what's popular or, or in style at the moment. It's about doing what Paul Rand did, which is look for something that's a little bit more timeless. Um, and it doesn't mean you can't pick up on those things um, in, your, in your style, but it's important to keep it yours. And so, yeah, look for inspiration, use inspiration, but don't copy. Uh, because I guarantee that, you know, seasoned designers will be like, oh, I've seen that design before. I know who's designed that before. So look at Pentagram site, but don't copy Pentagram site. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I would suggest that you begin your career at an agency, not at a, not necessarily a big firm company like uh, Google. I would say you, it's a good place to, to like end your career once you have some um, experience. But, you know, w when you work at agencies, you get lots of experience across huge number of clients. Um, and I've heard this on your podcast before, you know, where you guys discussed branding and, you know, it, it's really important for you to build a portfolio across a number of different clients so that people can see what you can accomplish. If you end up working at a company, I'm proud of you, but you're going to end up doing one thing over and over again. And it's hard to differentiate like those projects from each other. So yeah, I would definitely say start an agency. It's definitely where I grew the most. And then the last thing is, of course, work with somebody, a boss that can teach you something you're missing. You have, you're going to be developing your skills, but you don't know what's best, especially when you're first starting out. So finding people that inspire you um, and and can mentor you and get you to that next level is really, I think I have that right now for like one of the first times in my career. And it's incredible to have somebody who's kind of an image of you in the future. So look for that person that can kind of give you that. And I think, you know, for your listeners, you really are doing that. You're, you're being a, an inspiration for them in that way. You're being a mentor, um, even if they don't get to, to really engage with you face to face. It's still a very important tool for young designers to use to their advantage. Thank you so much, Matt, for taking us through your journey and giving us these great inspirational tips. So let's begin today's episode with brand strategy. So what exactly is brand strategy and its importance? Yeah, I think when we talk about uh, brand strategy and its importance in the world, really, if you think about brand and what brands mean, you know, it's not just a logo right? It's, it's so much more than that, you know, and I believe that it's the, the story that a product wants to share with the world. Uh, you know, working for a company like Google, we have lots and lots of different products, but it's all under one 
large brand. So the brand has to be more meaningful than the the sum of the individual products themselves. To me, when we talk about brand, it's really that purpose that lives beyond the product. Um, And really, if you look at brand strategy and brand design, really, it's about differentiating yourself from competitors. So looking at what makes you different as a company and then using that as the as the tool to communicate what makes you special. And you can see that with and you can actually see it with personal brands too. You see it with musicians and artists as well. They have a specific style. They have a specific thing that they show off. Really that's a strategy to um, differentiate themselves from other people, right? And stand out in the crowd. And what I believe is that people don't really have relationships with product. They have relationships with the brand. They don't love, I mean, we all love our iPhones, right? But we love the iPhones because of what Apple has done to design the, the iPhone and made it different, right? It's a, it's high design. Um, and that's a really important thing to note that brand is super, super important in today's world. Thank you so much, Matt, uh, for giving us this great insight. So in big brands like Google and all, there's this word product brand strategy that has been widely used. So can you help us break it down? Yeah, I mean... It's a, you're right. It's a really, really broad term, isn't it? Uh, Brand strategy. But I think brand strategy is what your design or what your brand says. uh, And brand design is how it says it, right? So when you're thinking about brand strategy, it's really what's behind the things that your brand wants to say. Uh, And I've been listening to your other podcast about uh, branding. And, you know, a logo is a good representation of, you know, how you show what your brand says to the world. Um, And it's important that those things link together. So like if you look at a company like Lego, for example, you know, they have a product that's just like a, a million tiny different pieces like scattered around. Right. But they use that to their advantage. Um, and they talk about this open ended creativity. And their brand strategy is all around what can you build with Lego? And you see how that plays out in all of their marketing and um, their branding initiatives, you know, from simple toys to very complex toys to the way that they engage creators to create new things. Really what Lego is doing is showing off um, what makes them different as a company. And it happens to be their bricks. So I I can see um, that Really, it's about having that mindset, everything that you create. Now, brand strategy is bigger than brand design because it can, it should stem into everything you do as a company, not just design. But design is really how you say it. So you can see, um, I, I, I worked on a Volvo campaign a while back, the, the, the car company. And in the past, I remember we were going through all of this research about Volvo. And in the past, they looked like little boxes with wheels ridiculous. And people thought they weren't sexy and they weren't stylish. But what Volvo did is they looked, they looked at their product and their agency looked at their product and they said, actually, that's what makes us special. We are extremely, extremely reliable. And the sexiness of, of our, our car doesn't matter. It's all about how far you can drive it and how much you can drive it. And so they came up with a campaign that was around this idea of drive it like you hate it. And when I was working on uh, their campaign, we were working with that idea of drive it like you hate it. Can you imagine um, saying such a thing in the advertising world? That is uh, differentiating your brand with brand strategy and making it stand out from all your competitors who at that time were all about bigger engines, brighter colors, uh, you know, sex appeal. 
Um, so really what I think is like, no, no matter where you are in the world, who you are in the world, or if you work in advertising or not, you can establish a brand that makes you, you, right? You find that differentiation that makes you, you. Thank you so much, Matt, for explaining us in detail. So what is a process you follow when there's a challenge to define a brand for an enterprise that is actually trying to find its space or a niche? I think the first thing you need to do as a creative mind is immerse yourself in the product, right? You need to understand the positives and you need to understand the negatives of the, the product. Those strengths and weaknesses help you define why it's different. Like I said, it's that difference that really matters. So what we try to look for, at least when I'm coming up with uh, branding, is where's the co- cross-section of those two things? What makes that product special? And what will make it resonate or communicate uh, in a new way to the consumer? And I guess the best example I have of that right now is we've been working on this reading app um, for Google that has uses voice recognition and AI to help kids learn to read. Okay? And... If you immerse yourself in that product a little bit, you discover that that voice recognition AI is really what differentiates it from other products out there. There's a lot of reading tutorial products, but none of them really use voice recognition and AI quite like this. And that's something that's really unique to Google, right? We have that technology that we can uh, build into our products. And what we did is we came up with a name and a brand that kind of embodies that. And uh, for Indian audiences, we called it Bolo, which means talk or say in Hindi. Uh, and it's all about that special thing that differentiates Bolo from the rest of the its competitors. Now, because it's meant for good, you know, it's really meant for kids to use. The brand strategy, of course, for the product had to be about how we speak to kids and how the product works for kids, um, especially how they speak to it. But for marketing, we don't market to children. I, you know, that's not that's not good. So we market to parents and to teachers. And so we had to change the way we talk about the brand uh, for, for them. So we ended up with this like really beautiful, meaningful line that could be for anyone. It, it could be for teachers. It could be for parents. Um, but it was kind of also for children. And it says, learn to read with the magic voice. Really, that, that, that was our idea that if Bolo is about speaking, if Bolo is about reading along, which is what we call the product now, we call it read along because Bolo doesn't mean Bolo, Bolo in uh, other languages around the world. And now that we're in 180 countries, we needed to change the name. So it's now called read along, but that still has that spirit of voice recognition and AI in it. Uh, and, you know, we, we came up with that line, learn to read with the magic of voice. Really, that's we rest the product there. It's It's kind of magical that you can use your own words to discover something new. And when you read a word for the very first time, you know, that magic gets unlocked and you discover that there are opportunities out there that you didn't know. And if, you know, literacy is the key definer of a child's ability to succeed, then reading with your your voice is such a personal experience. But we made that very clear for parents in all of the marketing so they could see exactly how successful their child could be with their voice. So really, that was like an exercise in finding what makes Read Along different from other apps and using that to our advantage to offer uh, you know, that, that really um, beautiful opportunity that 
the product can provide. Thank you so much, Matt. That was a great product explanation. Uh, thanks for that. So once you build a brand, one needs to be consistent with it, right? So are there any best practices for enabling a better consistency over an organization? <laughs> yes, it's, it's really key that designers step in to create standards and communicate those standards to everybody that's using your brand. So you've designed a new brand logo, for example. It's really important for you to establish what people can do with it and what people can't do with it. So a good example is like, you know, the Google logo looks great in color when it's on white, but not so much on like busy background. So you need to establish rules around when do you use it in color? When do you not use it in color? How do you use it when it's not in color? And all of that needs to be figured out by the designer and, and needs to be in a place where you can openly communicate the, those standards. The other thing that you can do is really think about what other communications can you predict in the future? So your logo isn't just, it's not the final thing, but that logo is going to be put on banners at events, or it might be put on a YouTube video, or it might be used as a podcast um, icon on Spotify, for example. So you know, to me, it's like, really, it's, it's about building not only the, the standards and communications around what you do with that brand, but it's also, you know, defining how it's used in other situations. That's also important when you're using brand strategy or creating language around your, your brand itself. It's important for you to, you know, even discuss, okay, this is how we say it with, for this audience, but we need to change it for this particular audience. And all of that should be communicated through your standards. Now, typically my designers, you know, that I work with, they don't need to go that far. That's my job. But, you know, for, um, but it's just important to remember how, um, you know, communication of where you want to take that brand. Just to summarize that, it's like create play, a place where people can find the standards that you've created. So something I like to do is create a presentation. Like Google has the Google presentations. You're able to like, list out in slides exactly what your brand standards are. Now, we're able to do that internally because we're able to pass that around really easily. But you might actually create a, a standards deck that goes online. So I think I've seen your Behance actually. Um, and your, the way you list out all of your projects and the way that you define you know, the, the case study for the project Behance is also, maybe that would be a good way for you to also say, this is how you use the, these brand standards that I've created, this design that I've created, and this is how you, you, you're not supposed to use it. Thank you so much, Matt, for explaining us in such great detail. So branding is all about storytelling and all. So how do you narrate a story of a brand to all of its people? And how do you decide on what mediums to use to convey that message? That's a toughie. I'm not going to lie, because it's not a, just about brand strategy. That one's about marketing more than it is about a branding issue. So the first thing you'll want to do, like with any marketing brief, is define your key audience. Who are you actually trying to reach out to? You can say that a product is for everyone, but that's absolutely not true. And in most cases, it's not for everyone. You know, that's what we found out with Bolo. It doesn't mean the same thing to everybody in every country. So you have to find a way to talk to a specific a specific audience for a specific purpose, right? So once you define those people you really want to reach out to, you've got to figure out what they're actually looking for. Are they looking for your product or are they not looking for your product? And how do you define what your product needs to do for them? Um, that makes sense. Now, when we're talking about branding and applying branding to that, that, that it's important to know first who your audience is. And then secondly, find out where they actually um, engage in communication. So 
Sometimes they're on social. Sometimes they're on YouTube. Sometimes they're on, you know, websites. Sometimes they're listening to podcasts. You know, it's important to know where that is. And then you can engage them in the place where they're at, right? In a meaningful way. So if I go back to, you know, read along that, that example that I gave earlier, it's really now launched in 180 countries. So we, and we know that we really have to go after parents and educators. And what we decided is that there's only one thing that parents and educators both want. And that's just success for the kids that they support, right? They just want them to succeed. They also have to download the app to help the kids succeed. So that's really what we looked for is, you know, where are they, where are they standing during the day? They're on commuter trains, they're on buses, they're um, using Wi-Fi at the stations. Uh, And it's important to remember that if they're there and they're using the Wi-Fi, that's a great marketing opportunity to talk to parents uh, before they go to work. Same with teachers, you know, they commute to their school. So that's where we chose to run marketing for, in India at least, for for read-along. And we ran two films and uh, we, we were very successful at not only locating our audience and speaking to them, but really showing off the prowess of what uh, Read Along could do through that uh, brand story that I told you guys earlier. So I think it's really about defining that key audience and then finding the places where they're at in a meaningful way so that you can connect them to your product. Thank you, Mark. So on a concluding note, we would love you to recommend us three books and also three people who inspire you the most in this ecosystem. Gotcha. So because I come from an advertising background and I really do believe in, um, you know, the power of advertising and the power to communicate uh, your brand to people, I would recommend one of my favorite books is called The Bill Birnbach Book. And for those who don't know who that is, he's the father of modern advertising in America, at least. Ran a, he ran an agency called Doyle, Dane and Birnbach, which is now known as DDB. It's about it's a huge conglomeration today. but um, his philosophy was to tell the truth in advertising and to and to spark humor and wit and to believe that your audience is super smart. Uh, and so I love that because we're all human beings. And when you speak on a human level to another human being, you don't speak in these marketing terms. You speak in very personal ways. So I still strongly believe that his advertising is still... Um, relevant for today. And he, he actually did this amazing um, uh, Volkswagen ad campaign right after, you know, in the 60s, right after World War II ended when Volkswagen wasn't doing so great. Uh, and he brought it back to life uh, with his ads. I find that incredibly fascinating. Please read it. It's very hard to find, but I'm pretty sure you can locate a PDF or something online of it. Uh, the second book, I wrote down, I wrote these down so that I remember is called the Monocle Book of Japan. And I live in Tokyo right now. I'm absolutely fascinated with Japan. But, um, but the things that you see in the export of tourism for Japan is not like Japan at all. Um, So what I love is that they kind of portray Japan in this very like, forward thinking, but very traditional society, which is what it is. Uh, And they talk about, you know, the restaurants and the craftsmen and the amazing businesses that you can find in Japan. And Monocle is just a proponent of, you know, communicating those important businesses to the world. So um, it's a great book if you want to learn about uh, in depth about uh, this country, this amazing country. And then the last one is called 
uh, well written and read. So I know it's not a design book. Okay, it's it's about um, the Economist poster. So the Economist is a magazine in the United States. It's a red magazine. Their brand is really bold. It's a red brand with white type. It's always the same. And that's exactly how their posters look. They're always red with white type, very bold. So this one says E equals IQ squared. Um, and this book just has typography simplicity, but it's a great branding book because they just stay very, very consistent to their, to their brand voice, who they are. And because it's a magazine, it's smart to do it in a narrative style that, that um, delights their, their audience. Um, and since they have a very well, well-educated audience, they, they just go really, really high bar with their humor. Here's one that says, um, but it says, um, is there intelligent life on Mars? Our subscription department reports not. And it's on this big red and white poster. It's beautiful. <laughs> anyway, pick it up. It's very inspiring. And it just shows how consistent you can be with, the, with your singular message. That was three, right? Yes, yes, three. But if you want, you could <laughs> tell more books as well. It's really awesome. Okay, I have one. I have one more. So... Paul Rand designed the um, IBM logo, you know, the old one with the stripes. Yes, yes. And what I love about his philosophy is that he designs for uh, timelessness. So this book is called Paul Rand, Design, Form, and Chaos. Um, I think it was published maybe, oh, it was published in 1993. And it just kind of is a, it's a great discussion on why you need to keep your design very simple, very communicative and use what you know to create a timeless uh, design appeal. So this is a yeah, pretty neat book. I'll admit, I haven't read the whole thing, but what I have read, it's great. And the pictures are wonderful. So if you, yes, yes. If you want a little bit of academia, but you want a lot of inspiration, make this happen. Those are my books. Three people that inspire me, yes, of course. Actually, one of them's an agency. Hopefully that's okay. But um, the first one is uh, Jessica Walsh. She's an um, influential designer, used to work for Sagmeister and Walsh, but has since started her own company called And Walsh. And, you know, what she's identified and differentiated for herself is that 0.1% of agencies, uh, design agencies, are owned by women. Um, so what she decided to do is open her own female-led design agency. And it, that's an amazing differentiation to make. She's, her, her design is uh, next level and her books are next level. So more books if you want to put them on your list. Um, the second group is Pentagram, um, Pentagram Design. I mean, they've been around forever. They're independently owned. And I mean, I just love all of it. So I go to Pentagram's site all the time for inspiration. And if you want branding inspiration, if you want to understand holistically how to build a brand and then how to execute that brand, it's a great website for you just to get lots and lots of case studies that allow you to kind of unpack uh, how to do great design. Um, and then last but not least, of course, Paul Rand. Paul Rand, I, I mean, IBM, come on. He did it all. He's amazing. Uh, and great and in, 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 inspiring uh, designer. And it just is a constant reminder to me that um, you just want to keep your design simple and take away. Exactly. Don't add too much, right? Always remind yourself that less is more. So, yeah. I think he's he's just an amazing, uh, inspiring designer. Thank you so much, Matt, for 
your wonderful time and coming and joining our mission spread knowledge and helping us understand brand strategy so well we are looking forward to host you again soon yeah thank you so much for having me what a what a neat program Thank you.